When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. WWE alum Al Snow performs live in the nation's capital this Saturday at the DC Comedy Loft. He joined me to discuss his memoir, Self-Help Life Lessons from the Bizarre Wrestling Career of Al Snow, from talking to a mannequin head to his ill-fated chihuahua Pepper, sparking the infamous Kennel from Hell match. Hey, Al Snow, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in Washington, D.C., Hey, thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me on. Well, we're talking because you are coming to the DC Comedy Loft on Saturday, April 8th. Now, this is your, your debut at the Comedy Loft, right? But uh, but how long have you been doing the yeah. stand-up just in general? Not much. Not much. I'm still pretty much a, uh, a virgin, a babe in the woods, so to speak. Um, <laughs> so if anybody shows up, please, you know, take it easy on me. Um but I've been enjoying it. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, nobody's thrown fruits or vegetables at me while I'm on stage yet. So yeah, I think I'm, I'm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I do. I'm doing okay. So. Awesome. Yeah. yeah we, we interviewed um your old pal, Mick Foley. He came to the DC improv and you know, several, several wrestlers. You said, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what I was going to ask. You guys are always roasting each other. So tell yeah, me yeah. why is your show better than Mick's? Well, you know, when Mick was a professional wrestler, you know, he would tell everybody in the uh, locker room, you know, when I get done, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian. We all would laugh and laugh, you know, and now he's a stand-up comedian and nobody's laughing. So, um, yes, don't underestimate that guy or Al Snow. Don't underestimate <laughs> either of you. Multi-talented. I see you're wearing yeah. the coll- I see you're wearing the collar elbow uh, clothing line t-shirt too. Yeah. Tell- plug yeah. away. Free plug. Oh, collarandelbowbrand.com. Um, it is, um, basically we decided to try to make a, uh, a clothing brand for professional wrestling fans. Um, something that, you know, uh, was cool and, you know, and had, uh, designs that conveyed a certain message. If you're a wrestling fan, if you're not a wrestling fan, you can wear it to any type of function so that you don't get that. Oh, Oh, you like wrestling? Oh, you know that stuff's fake. And it's like, hey, congratulations, Murder, she wrote. How long did it take for you to put the clues together there, Angela <laughs> Lansbury? You know? I hate that. It's like, yeah, it's just as real as every other movie and TV show. Uh, that every other, yeah. Spider-Man was a documentary about a young man. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 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 That's why we love it. We love the storylines and everything, yeah. you know Speaking, speaking of which, real quick, a, a current wrestling question before I want to get into your show. But um, sure, yeah. wrestling fan. Um, did you catch WrestleMania the other night? You know, I didn't. Unfortunately, um, I missed both Saturday and I missed Sunday. But I heard that, you know, it was just absolutely incredible. And I mean, what a what a testament to what a entertainment powerhouse WWE is to to be able to draw 81,000 people, not one night but two nights concurrently. I mean, it just, 
Just insane. Really I know. is. I personally miss when it was all one day, like because, but I'm sure it gets more paydays for, for the, oh, yeah, yeah. So I get it. Yeah. I get it. But uh, it, it's a big commitment. But, but, um, but yeah, really the, the storyline, the bloodline storyline, the Usos finally mm-hmm. lost the tag title Saturday, and everyone thought Roman was going to lose on Sunday, but he beat Rhodes. Cody I Rhodes, know. So I know. But what a, what a great story. You know what I mean? To now, you know, to watch Cody have to climb that hill and, you know, climb that mountain. And, uh, you know, by SummerSlam, I mean, what emotionally, you know, what would a win uh, having to traverse all of those challenges really mean in comparison? You know, my first gut reaction was, you know, boy, that's I don't know. Everybody really it was the right thing to do at the right time. But but, you know, to draw it out and to make it mean even that much more potentially. is even that much better so yeah i mean you you're like a expert of how it all works behind the scenes like do you think the idea i wouldn't say that (laughs) (laughs) more than me more than most of us (laughs) um but do you think the idea is what you're trying they're trying to let roman hit that 1000 uh you know day mark before they have him drop it or not really no 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 the focus is really totally on cody the the, you know um you have to understand that you know you you no matter what form of storytelling you uh undertake whether it be literature uh whether it be uh stagecraft whether it be acting you know really uh professional wrestling is is nothing more than um it's it's physical uh storytelling within the context of a competitive situation and you know in in order to do that the, the rules always apply which is you have to have an antagonist you have to have a protagonist, and then you have to create a, a challenge, something that the, your, your protagonist has to overcome and reach a goal that the antagonist is preventing. And, you know, if that had already been done for Cody, well, where do you go? You know, what, what, do, what do you, where, where, what, do you create a new mountain for Cody to climb? Or do you just, do you, do you make the mountain steeper? Do you make the mountain more of a challenge? Do you put more rocks in the way? You know, and that's what they're doing. And then, then thus, hopefully, you know, making the audience want to uh, see Cody win. Thus, when Cody wins, they ultimately win, you know, and and it, it'll mean that much more. That's a great point, because you're right. The the big WrestleMania payoff blow off maybe could have worked if they'd had that year of Cody climbing the mountain. But since yeah. he got injured with the pack. You're right. It might right. it might have been rushed to have him come back, you know, number 30, win the Rumble, and then immediately win it at Mania. I think you're right. Build it yeah. out. Make and from a, from a business standpoint, you have a guy, you have a talent that uh, is not really totally 100% at this point integrated into WWE as far as the fans' perspective. And the reason that he's not is not because he wasn't there prior. It's because he left he literally established a company that ran up op- is running opposition to WWE AEW. and then yeah, AEW. And, uh, you know, the, the last thing you want to do as far as a wrestling promoter is you, you don't never want to take one of their, um, Cody wasn't a mid card guy, but he wasn't really truly at the top either, right. but you don't want to take him now. And before he earns his way and becomes truly integrated into the company, 
you don't want to let him just waltz in and then he goes to the very top because now you've just psychologically told all of the fans that um, their kind of upper mid-card guy is now better than all of yours. And you can't have Kind of, I guess kind of like with the your era with the invasion angle, you know, the NWO guys mm-hmm. came in and they had to Scott Hall had to lose to Austin and Hogan lost to right. the Rock before. Well, then Hogan, that's a whole different thing. Hulk Hogan's a different thing. They gave him the strap after that, but that's he's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> but right. um, but anyway, let's get back to your. <laughs> thanks for indulging me on. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no, no worries. But uh, I love the stuff you can't tell. But yeah, tell me about your show. Like, what uh, is it like? Stand up? Is it interacting with the audience? Like, what all do you talk about? Wrestling it's everything. Days, new stuff. I, I, I literally because you know uh, my brain's basically frank, uh, scrambled eggs. So uh, <laughs> CTE is a real issue. So um, uh, I talk about everything. I I make jokes. Um, I, I tell jokes, I, uh, tell road stories, some of them very bizarre, but they're from my perspective, completely hilarious. Um, and, you know, uh, and then I also interact with the audience as well. So, you know, I, I really, um, I can't really call it stand up cause I always sit on a stool and I just lay, sit back and just start talking and, and then, you know, whatever comes in my head is what I, uh, basically put out there. So it's and, sit down um, comedy. Yeah, it's sit down comedy. Yeah, it, not a lot of energy. You know what I mean? It's it's really. <laughs> I'm sixty well, for God's sakes. Yeah, well, it's a really intimate venue. I've been there before, so if you ever you know had questions for Al Snow, you'll be right up close and personal. It'll be really cool. Oh, and I, you know, hopefully, usually I I try to give a certain amount of time at the end of the, you know, uh, set. People want to ask questions. You know, they're more than willing. You know, I'm more than willing to accept any questions that anyone wants to ask. Um, but I've had, you know, really bizarre, (laughs) I I didn't realize it, um, until as I got older and then, um, you know, uh, I started just accepting the irony of being a part of professional wrestling and I would go out and I would, um, have opportunities to do other things. Like, you know, I'd be on a, a film set and I'd be, you know, doing some acting and things like that. And you, you think, well, these people are from Hollywood. They're going to, you know, they've seen and heard everything and they'd start asking questions and I would start telling some stories and they're like, there's no way that that, that, that didn't happen. That, 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 that's not possible. And I'm like, I, it's not like I make this stuff up. Yeah. I mean, it literally, you know, <laughs> it's been my life for 41 years since I was 18 years old. So you know, well, you, yeah, you mentioned bizarre. I mean, that's actually part of your you just released a book, right? Self-help life oh. lessons from the bizarre wrestling career of Al Snow. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and I've learned a lesson from every bizarre experience. You know, <laughs> I was 18 in Detroit to go to some after party, you know, and uh, and pull up on a God knows what side of Detroit it was at that time. And um you know, witnessed two prom, you know, two prominent professional wrestlers disappear and begin to uh, come back out and uh, shoot hard boiled eggs out of their uh, rear ends at, you know, for distance. So uh, <laughs> I was 18 years old, you know what I mean? And it just, it's just, and then it's just went from there. Oh my gosh. Well, wow. Okay. Well, there are some yeah. bizarre experiences in there. <laughs> yeah, but they're funny. I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, yeah. if you really think Hilarious. about it, you're just like, wow. That, that's yeah. great. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Well, I would love to, um, let's chronologically, you mentioned that was when you were 18, but I'd love yeah, to move yeah. chronologically if we can. I know you were born in Ohio, what, in 63? Did you, who'd you 63. root for? Who'd you root for growing up? Like, how'd you, what, you know, oh, on God, TV? It was, it was hard, you know, because where I lived, I lived in a, a little town called Lima, Ohio. If anyone knows, you know, it's only made famous because of Lee, uh, uh, Buckwheat, uh, Eddie Murphy had Buckwheat get assassinated in Lima, Ohio. Um, and, uh, and uh, Al Snow, of course. Yeah, Al Snow, yeah. Uh, Hugh Downs and Phyllis Diller were from Lima, Ohio. I'm now the most famous person I feel from Lima, Ohio, because they're both dead. So I knew I would outlast them. So, you know, they would, they would finally, you know, tap out. Uh, And um, uh, we had, if you were in Lima, you were either a Sox or Cubs, uh, if it was baseball or Indians or Reds or Steeler or uh, Pirates or line, uh, Detroit Tigers, because we had we had access to all of those right. uh, there. And we had football was, you know, the Bears. You had the uh, Lions in Detroit. You had the Bengals in uh, Cincinnati. You had the Cleveland Browns, and you had the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then, you know, uh, hockey was the Red Wings, yeah. Blackhawks. You know, didn't have a team in Cincinnati, didn't have a team in Cleveland. Well, how'd you yeah, discover yeah. wrestling though? Like, were you watching pro wrestling on TV or how did you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, at that time when I was a, a kid, uh, and actually, you know, when wrestling was more regional, more territorial back in the days, Ohio and Michigan and, uh, were always very prized as far as territories because you had so many major cities that were within, uh, merely hours of each other that you could run major events and they were huge population centers. Um, and so for a promoter, it was, it was an opportunity to make a lot of money. And, uh, I grew up watching Ed Farhat, who was the original Sheik. He had big time wrestling out of Detroit, uh, that came into, he, he owned all of Michigan, all of Ohio, part of Western Pennsylvania, part of Eastern Indiana, part of Northeastern Kentucky, you know, and uh, all those major cities. So, um, started watching as a kid, then it kind of disappeared in the mid seventies. And then, you know, crazy as it may seem for a lot of people out there, we did not have cable television. That wasn't in existence. So (laughs) where I lived, you had maybe one, maybe two channels that you could get. And then when we got cable television, you know, we we were able to access all 13. Yeah, 13 channels. Hold on to your hats. Premium uh, package. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) 
And one of those channels was TBS, uh, Turner Broadcasting. And then Saturday nights, you know, uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling came in at 6 o'clock. That became 6.05. And um, we, you know, I just, that was it. You know, at 14, I was like, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. And 41 years later, uh, nobody's figured out that I have no clue what I'm doing. So <laughs> <laughs> keep making it till you make it. I love yeah, it. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Take me back real quick. I want to get into some WWF stuff. Cause that's what, where I did. And many of us discovered you, but even before that, I know you, I guess you've done quote, you know, jobber stuff against Jannetty and undertaker, like early nineties, WWF, but tell me about, um, ECW, um, and Smoky Mountain Wrestling those days. Um, did you have any favorite? I guess what you wrestled Sabu in ECW and you team with Kane, Glenn Jacobs to beat Rock and Roll Express and Smoky Mountain. Is that right? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, the way that happened was, you know, I'd, I'd been wrestling for probably uh, full time, you know, for a living for probably, I don't know, at that point, probably 10, 11, 12 years. Um, and doing, you know, just fine. But I was, I had the moniker of being the best kept secret in professional wrestling, which is a very, uh, wonderful compliment, uh, for a year. And then you're like, Hey, let's start telling the secret. You then know the what secret I mean? needs to be out. Yeah. We need to get it out. <laughs> and, uh, um, what happened was, uh, you know, uh, I had a, um, uh, opportunity to work with Sabu and Sabu went to Paul Heyman and I went in. So start initially the first time I went to ECW, start to work in ECW. And then uh, Cornette, I trained Dan Everin, who is in the UFC Hall of Fame and all of that, actually for his first UFC, which was UFC 4 out in uh, Tulsa. And uh, I was a corner man and made a, you know some smart alecky comments and Jimmy had uh, seen me on the pay-per-view, offered me an opportunity, and I went to Smoky Mountain. And, you know, that parlayed into an opportunity with uh, WWF at the time. Um, and, you know, and uh, after about two years, I tried tried to quit WWF, uh, asked for my release. They wouldn't Why? Because of the gimmicks? It. Avatar and New Rockers? or you didn't I, like just, I, I knew I had to go somewhere else so that they could see me as something else. Right. And... Um, and I, and I knew that if I stayed there, I would always remain in the same spot. So I had to leave and, um, you know, asked for my release. They rolled the contract over, wouldn't let me quit. <laughs> and, uh, that didn't make my attitude any better. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, Chris Candido, God bless him. He, uh, went, he, he and Paul Heyman showed up at a TV. I talked to Chris, he talked to Paul, Paul talked to Bruce Pritchard. And they put me on loan, basically, to ECW, where I could reinvent myself. Cool. And uh, that's where I met Head. And uh, it was love at first sight. You know, we <laughs> caught eyes across the room at a in New Britain, Connecticut. And uh, we're talking we're about his mannequin, folks. We're, uh, yeah. yeah, we're talking about you know. Um, but wait, didn't didn't Mick start that with Cactus Jack? You two together were like mm -hmm. saying like so, a it, promo. So. Uh, what had happened was, because I was reading a book on abnormal psychology at the time, uh, trying to show that I had a nervous breakdown, and um, I found a styrofoam head in the in the locker room at in uh, Philadelphia at the ECW arena, um, the Alhambra arena, um, and um, I started. I we took some photos for a Japanese magazine, and I thought, you know what? Because I remembered a case study, a woman who was uh, schizophrenic, and she had what they call transference disorder, where 
she transferred her illness onto the object she heard the voices from. She thought they were crazy, not her. So I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, carry this styrofoam head with me to the ring and, and I'm going to treat it as if it's insane and I'm not. And um, the, the impetus or the inspiration for that was one night we were in California and it was, it was Bob Holly and Sid Vicious and myself and Mick in the car. And Mick had a styrofoam head in his bag that he kept the mankind mask on to retain its shape and its form. So you're back to WWF at this point then? WWF, yeah. Yeah, this was prior to ECW. And Mick had, you know, uh, it had a little chunk caught out, cut out of its mouth. And he was calling it Elaine in the back seat, Like when he got back to his hotel room, he was going to do, you know, pornographic things with the styrofoam head. And I remembered him doing that. And I remembered the, I remembered the case study of the lady with the transference disorder. And I had a styrofoam head and I thought, I'm going to treat this as if it's a real person and that they're crazy and I'm not. And that was, that was the uh, beginning of, of head. And so. a legendary gimmick was born. The fact that you have yeah. all the things in the attitude era. I mean, there was a lot of stuff, Val Venus and the rest, but the fact that you got a whole crowd to say, what does everybody want? Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I know we're really short on the clock, but I have to ask, uh, yeah. uh, well, job squad, of course, great stuff. Yeah. But I don't know if we have time for that, but I wanted to, I have to ask you about pepper. I mean, big boss man eating your chihuahua. <laughs> yeah, it was a real, uh, it was inspired by a real story. Um, and it, it's appalling to a lot of people when I tell it. Um, and that's, you know, how crazy the wrestling business is. There was a professional wrestler named Mr. Fuji. And apparently um, he had a neighbor he hated and it was very obnoxious and uh, had a very obnoxious dog. And the neighbor went to work and Mr. Fuji apparently kidnapped the dog. Um, you know, the neighbor, very distraught, looked for the dog for weeks. And finally, Mr. Fuji invited him over for dinner. And what they had for dinner uh, that he served to the neighbor was his own dog. In so, real life. In real life. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you said, and, let's uh, do this as a storyline. <laughs> well, I didn't say that. I mean, it, was, it was somebody else that had a uh, yeah. thought that it would be a good storyline. And uh, I was like, well, OK, let's uh, see where it goes. And then. You know, we ended up in the kennel from hell. Little did I know that that name would be so apropos uh, with a, you know, from day one, uh, I kept saying, okay, as long as we have trained animals, as long as we have trained animals. I mean, because let's face it, you know, people even in porn know that you don't work with children and animals. They'll always upstage you. So I remember, weren't the dogs like going crazy doing their own thing? They were the literally urinating, defecating and fornicating uh, to the point where they couldn't show them on camera. And, and here you are um, trying to have a match while well, that <laughs> and literally built the whole crux of the story around yeah. the dogs, you know. Wow. Yeah, it didn't didn't work. Yeah. Infamous moments. Good. But chalk it up to another quote bizarre uh moment yeah, bizarre. the life yeah. lessons of the book and of course the uh, DC comedy law show. Yeah. Al Snow, I could talk to you all day, um, but I know we're well, on a hard out here. So thanks so much. Yeah. Again, it's Saturday, April eighth at the DC Comedy Law. You you were great. Uh, thank you very much. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing everybody there. And, uh, you know, we're really, I trust, trust me, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a good time. Oh yeah. And we didn't even get to ask, uh, you know, tough enough here. So bring your questions. Oh, yeah. Tough yeah. Enough. Bring your, all your questions, folks. He'll answer them. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right. I will. Thanks so much. Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.